Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokettes And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Wednesday, March 9th, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world Are you feeling the burn yet? I am on top of the world. Stayed up last night watching the election returns from the Democratic primary in Michigan, where Bernie Sanders outperformed all expectations and won the Michigan Democratic primary by about 2% of the vote. Yeah, Nate Silver over there at 538 was saying just yesterday morning, there was a 99% chance Hillary Clinton was going to win. She's up 18 to 22 points in the polling averages. It's going to be a blowout. It'll be the end of Bernie Sanders. And yet Bernie defied expectations, drove record turnout, and managed to win in Michigan. And winning lots of groups he's not normally been winning. He's um, He actually improved his standing with African-American voters to about 30%. And when it came to younger African-American voters, he took that demographic. He also took the demographic of white women. Hey, ah, yeah, we are definitely feeling the burn here at the Russ Belleville Show, and uh, I've got a new post coming up uh, later today on Huffington Post about this, and it's the subject of my radical rant today, because I'm going to go a little bit political today. I'm going to bring a little bit of the second hour politics into hour one. Normally, I just stick with just marijuana in hour one. But today, we've got a 2016 election-themed marijuana tangent to go on. First of all, we've got uh, a recording of Bernie Sanders speaking uh, to a crowd where he discusses his past marijuana use. And so that we will be bringing to you in a special government at work segment today, where we'll also take a look at Bernie's chances in the remaining Democratic primaries and his ability to overtake Hillary Clinton, the establishment candidate. Also on the show today, we're going to go behind the headlines and take a look at marijuana in the NFL. We've been interviewing a lot of former NFL players like Jim McMahon, Marvin Washington, Ricky Williams, Nate Jackson, Kyle Turley, and uh, they're all behind getting more exposure for medical marijuana in the NFL, lightening up the NFL's policies on marijuana use by players. So we'll discuss that in depth in Behind the Headlines. Also on the show today, I uh, got word from my uh, handlers at uh, CannabisRadio.com who wanted some clips for promotional purposes. They wanted to be able to uh, put together some ads and some promos of the Russ Belleville show. So that forced me to have to go through my archives, and I found the interview with my number one marijuana unicorn. You may remember some years back that uh, former drug czar John Walter said, if you can find a nonviolent first-time marijuana offender in jail or prison, you'll have a story because they're like unicorns. They just don't exist. So I had a contest to find out who did the most time for the least amount of marijuana 
And that interview is our flashback interview tonight. Uh, it comes to us from all the way back in 2009 when I ran that uh, contest. That's right, seven years ago. And you'll hear from a young woman in Idaho who did the most time for the least amount of weed. You'll be stunned when you find out how much weed it was. Also on the show, like I mentioned, Radical Rant Time, I'm going to go in-depth into my rant. If we Bernie or Bus supporters have to accept what happens on abortion, then the Hillary supporters have to accept what happens in the Middle East. All that's coming up on the Russ Bell Show, plus Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio. We'll take your calls at 971-533-7111. We're live from Portland, Oregon, right here on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, March 9th, 2016. Virginia's General Assembly has shown strong support for letting a small number of facilities grow and to have medical marijuana oil dispensaries. The state Senate voted Tuesday to approve legislation that would allow these facilities to grow plants to produce cannabidiol oil for registered epilepsy patients. The Daily Press reports the legislation will need to be approved again next year by the General Assembly before it goes into law. Last year, the General Assembly voted to allow marijuana oils to be used to treat epileptic seizures. 
Taxes generated by Colorado's $1 billion marijuana industry are keeping some struggling towns solvent. About 938 dispensaries in 2015 yielded $135 million in state taxes and fees, 44% more than a year earlier. Colorado isn't alone in making money off pot as it emerges from prohibition. In Washington, where advocates sold voters on legalization as a way to decrease local government expenses, dispensaries generated $65 million in state taxes in fiscal year 2015, about $6 million of which was shared with cities. California may legalize retail sales this year in a ballot initiative that could generate as much as $1 billion in new state and local levies. The money is welcome relief. Some cities and counties are counting cannabis tax revenue as a windfall, using it to avoid borrowing for infrastructure upgrades and to prop up economies hammered by downturns in the oil and gas markets. The Pennsylvania State Department of Corrections currently spends about $2.5 million annually to house 97 people imprisoned for nonviolent marijuana offenses. Those 97 people span the state's 66 county correctional facilities. Those county facilities housed 35,439 total inmates as of December, the latest data available from the Department of Corrections. That's about $25,700 annually per inmate. The price of housing one nonviolent marijuana offender is roughly as much as telephone costs at the county's 19 district judge offices, the prison's printing costs, or the prison's bedding and linen costs. There are no nonviolent marijuana offenders in Philadelphia's prison facilities, according to Sean Hayes, public information officer for the Philadelphia prison system. The city decriminalized marijuana in October 2014, making possession of small amounts of marijuana 30 grams or less, punishable by a citation and a $25 fine. A measure that would decriminalize possession of small amounts of marijuana has been revived in the Illinois Senate. A similar bill the General Assembly approved last year was allowed to die after Governor Bruce Rauner used his amendatory veto powers to propose tighter restrictions. The new bill, sponsored by Senator Heather Steens, a Democrat of Chicago, and approved Wednesday by the Senate Criminal Law Committee, incorporates the changes Rauner suggested. Those include lowering the threshold for being ticketed rather than arrested for marijuana possession to 10 grams. The original bill set the threshold at 15 grams. The new bill also raised, raises the range for fines to $100 to $200 from 55 to 125 in the original and lowers the limit at which someone can be charged with driving under the influence. The limit in last year's bill was 15 nanograms per milliliter of blood and the new measure would set it at 5 nanograms. The measure would also automatically expunge marijuana possession citations from people's records every six months. Sandwiched between the SLS Las Vegas and Stratosphere Hotel Casino Resorts, the Essence Cannabis Dispensary, which opens Wednesday, is the first, first such facility on the Las Vegas Strip. Medical marijuana has been legal in Nevada since 2000, but legal wrangling meant Sin City's first dispensary didn't open until last August. Since then, medical marijuana stores have been popping up around southern Nevada. It's illegal for people with medical marijuana cards for Cal from California and other states to transport their stash across state lines, but they can legally purchase and consume cannabis in Nevada with a doctor's note, thanks to a 2015 law that created reciprocity. The Keeping Missouri Kids Safe Coalition held a rally against legalizing marijuana at the Missouri State Capitol Wednesday morning. The coalition cited data from Colorado in its arguments against marijuana. According to Keeping Missouri Kids Safe, since marijuana was legalized, school suspensions and dropouts in Colorado went up 40%. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, March 9th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Dr. Doug.
shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals, or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. We all know that Prohibition was a disaster. It forced alcohol into the underground market where it was controlled by criminals, and consumers did not know what they were getting. It made us a nation of hypocrites and lawbreakers. Marijuana Prohibition has caused a lot of the same problems. That's why most Vermonters agree it's time for a more sensible approach. Tell your state senator it's time to end prohibition and start regulating marijuana in Vermont. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your Cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPAs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today's Cannabis Focus takes a look at CNN Health, which is asking, is it time for football to reconsider marijuana? They open by noting the NFL and NFL Players Association have a staunch policy prohibiting marijuana use, but some players are asking them to reconsider it, saying pot can be used for pain relief and possibly as concussion prevention. While many of the players are on board with medical marijuana, including those that are representing the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition, which you can learn more about at gridirencannabis.com, it's not quite the same for some of the coaches and some of the staff in the NFL who are a little bit behind the times. I had a chance to run into former Bears quarterback Jim McMahon in Fort Worth, Texas earlier this last week. And uh, he gave his opinion on how the coaches feel about medical marijuana in the NFL. It features Patrick Moran, Scott Beer, Mark Slough, and Jack Spinkle. Jim McMahon, uh, Russ Belvoff from Cannabis Radio. Uh, we talked a lot about the NFL and the, the brass, you know, not being so hip on this medical marijuana thing. Uh, you played for Coach Ditka. He's on this board for Gridiron Cannabis. How are the coaches and the team doctors reacting to this? Uh, I think the coaches are, you know, a lot of the coaches are old school, so it's, this is all new to them. I'm glad Dick is involved. Um, you know, he's been a, a leader in a lot of different ways, so have him on board is great. I think Kyle Turley has talked to him quite a bit about it. And, you know, he used to just yell at us, go, oh, you bunch of pot smokers. Yeah, that's why you need water, you know. But I, I think he's finally realizing it's, it's not a drug. Jim McMahon speaking out for the need for medical marijuana, and at the event he talked about the daily pain that he has lived with since his playing days, and even during his playing days, and also remarked about the painkillers that 
he was uh, forced to take while an NFL player and the deleterious effect they had on his health and well-being. We also got a chance to speak with Marvin Washington, NFL player who played for the Jets, the Niners, and the Denver Broncos, with whom he won a Super Bowl ring. And uh, Marvin Washington even points at how the NFL's anti-marijuana policy, even the NFL knows that it's a joke given how much warning they give the players about these upcoming drug tests. The former NFL player Marvin Washington. Now, last year, there was a class action lawsuit filed by against the 32 NFL teams by former players who alleged that the team coaches, staff and doctors pushed painkillers on them to get back onto the field. That case has been transferred to a federal court in Northern District of California. There was a similar suit in 2014, but that suit was dismissed. During the last Super Bowl week, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said, quote, it's an NFL policy and we believe it's the correct policy for now in the best interest of our players and the long-term health of our players, end quote. And it's just remarkable that anybody with even a cursory investigation of what we know about concussion, head trauma, traumatic brain injury, and the ability of cannabinoids to help mitigate some of that damage and deal with some of the symptoms – to dress your opposition to that up in the idea of the long-term health of the players is ludicrous, Commissioner Goodell. Marijuana is not going to affect the long-term health of the players any more than having them run into each other at full speed multiple times a day is going to affect them. To be able to worry that there's going to be some sort of cognitive decline or mental decline among NFL athletes when clearly it's the concussions and CTE that cause these declines for these players and cannabinoids can help alleviate and mitigate some of that, this is just a tragedy. If you're really concerned about the long-term health of the players, we should be rushing to get marijuana legalized. We should be blocking any attempts to try to keep it illegal. We need to get this medicine to the players as quickly as possible. And it's not just me waxing rhapsodic here about the benefits of marijuana for the brains of the players. It's the federal government. The federal government owns the patent 6630507 that is listed for cannabinoids as neuroprotectants. Neuroprotectants able to protect the neurons in the brain from the shearing and the damage from concussion that a day-to-day life in the NFL is guaranteed to give these players. I encourage everyone to check out the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition. You can find them at gridironcannabis.com. It's comprised of many former players who are now banding together and making this educational outreach to the NFL, its culture, its staff, its fans, to understand that there's no more time to wait. And that if we want to see football survive, as I do, I love football. I think it's an amazing and exciting sport, despite the fact that it is guaranteed to cause injury to the people who play it. I'm sorry, I believe in people's rights to do with their bodies what they choose, even if that's bad for them. So I disagree with any of these calls to ban football. Now, taking the kids, the high school and the peewee kids, 
out of pads and out of helmets and making them play a uh, flag, I'm fine with that. Developing brains should be protected, and kids do not yet have the uh, statutory authority to be able to make those decisions about their bodies. But for adults, once you hit 18, once you make it to college, you have the right to do with your body what you will. That said, it doesn't mean we should ignore how we can protect these players better, and that means legalizing marijuana. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Thank you, President Bush. It's one of the things uh, I can agree with you on, at least in the context of these NFL players. We're really going to worry about giving them pot when we're filling them full of Vicodin and Lortab and fentanyl and all these other incredibly addictive and hepatotoxic painkillers? Give me a break. Happy 420 to the Super Bowl champ Denver Broncos. We'll be right back with our marijuana unicorns. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. CannabisRadio.com keeps you in the know Monday through Friday on air and on demand with Cannabis Radio News. Presented with the definitive worldwide news source, the Associated Press. Stay informed with exclusive news on all things cannabis. Cannabis Radio News, live weeknights at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, during the Russ Belville Show. Or download the daily podcast exclusively on CannabisRadio.com, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. When breaking news happens in the cannabis industry, Cannabis Radio News delivers the details first. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Reforming America's marijuana prohibition laws takes education, lobbying, and voting. From Washington, D.C. to your state capitol to your city hall, marijuana law reform involves all levels of civic life. Learn how you can make your impact with elected officials as we take a look at our government at work. Welcome back, everybody. And for Government at Work today, we are so excited about the win in Michigan by Senator Bernie Sanders, outperforming all the pundits and pollsters who said he was down by double digits and there was a 99% chance he would lose. And on top of that news, we've got this audio from Senator Sanders discussing his marijuana use in front of a crowd uh, at one of his recent stump speeches. I know. That heroin is a killer drug 
and we've got to stay away from heroin, and we've got to do everything that we can to make sure our kids do not get addicted to heroin. We also know, and people can argue with us till the cows come home and scientists dispute it, marijuana is not heroin. Now, I'm not here advocating for marijuana. I've done marijuana twice in my life when I was very young. And what it did for me is it made me cough a lot. That was my response. But I gather other people have had different experiences. I don't know. Marijuana is listed as a Schedule One drug alongside of heroin. I agree. And that is why I believe we should take marijuana out of the Federal Controlled Substance Act. That's Bernie Sanders speaking before a crowd calling for the descheduling of marijuana, not like Hillary Clinton, who suggests rescheduling it so it's not in the ridiculous class alongside heroin and LSD, but in a little bit less ridiculous class alongside of meth and cocaine. No, Bernie Sanders is calling for the descheduling of marijuana, taking it out of the federal schedule, basically meaning no federal law controlling marijuana whatsoever. That would be left up to the states. So I'm very excited about Bernie's chances, especially after this big win in Michigan. And I want to give my listeners out there who may be Bernie Sanders fans some help in defending the candidate who is clearly the best candidate for marijuana reform in the race. And, of course, this means going up against Hillary Clinton for the Democratic nomination. One of the tricks the mainstream media and the Hillary supporters are trying to play on you is to make it feel hopeless. Hillary Clinton's got so many more delegates. Currently, the uh, delegate count uh, for Hillary Clinton, uh, uh, let me see if I can find a Democratic delegate count, had this up earlier, is an insurmountable lead, 1,221 delegates for Hillary Clinton versus only 571 for Bernie Sanders. It's just over and done. There's no point going on. Hillary's got such a commanding lead. Well, folks, most of those delegates, a lot of those delegates in her lead that make up her lead are the so-called superdelegates that are not pledged They've said they're going to vote for Hillary Clinton, but it is not a fait accompli yet. This is all going to come down to the pledge delegates, those delegates that are decided by the votes of the people. And if Bernie Sanders goes to the convention with a lead in the pledged delegates, the delegates chosen by the people, it would be political suicide for those superdelegates to stick by Hillary Clinton. We had a similar situation go down in 2008 with Clinton and Obama. Those superdelegates will switch allegiances and back the winner among the popular vote. Another thing to consider is that Hillary Clinton has already been through her best states. She is performing best in the southern states with a large black demographic, But those southern states are the ones that are going to go for the Republicans come general election time. She has only won three states that weren't part of the Confederacy, Iowa, Massachusetts, and Nevada. Iowa and Massachusetts were so close as to be nearly statistical ties. Massachusetts was 1.4%. Iowa was 0.2%. 
And while she did win by five and a half percent in Nevada, Sanders was down 46% in Nevada two months before and 23 points down eight weeks before those caucuses and lost by just 5.5%. Compare that to his win in Michigan, which of course they're calling a narrow win, even though it was by greater than Massachusetts or Iowa, was about 2%. And it's way outperforming the polling. There are 11 of those Confederate states, nine of them, have already gone to Clinton. The two southern states left to vote are Florida and North Carolina. He's down by only 10 in North Carolina. He's down in double digits in Florida. However, he was down by double digits in Michigan, too. And he made up that ground. And now that he's winning, he's got momentum. And now that he's got momentum, he's got donations. The, the media aren't reporting to you how he's raising over $40 million a month while most of Hillary's donors are already tapped out at their max. She's already tapped out her major southern state advantage and her major donor advantage. Bernie's got nowhere to go but up. And the states that are coming up, Wisconsin, Utah, Idaho, Hawaii, Ohio, Illinois, Missouri, his performance in Michigan in that Rust Belt state hammering away at her support of disastrous trade deals for labor and her support of fracking in a place like Flint, Michigan, whose water's been poisoned, is going to make him even more popular in those Midwestern Rust Belt states. And electability? Sorry, Bernie Sanders is polling better than Hillary Clinton against Donald Trump and the Republicans. And keep in mind, Hillary Clinton is still under investigation for the email server that she had classified data upon. Anything could go down with that. So Sanders supporters who want to see marijuana descheduled, keep on fighting. It's going to be a long, hard fight against the Democratic establishment machine. But Bernie's going to win this nomination, and we're going to see a revolution. We're back with a marijuana unicorn after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts. 
from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. The cannabis community is a diverse set of people from all walks of life. Conservative and liberal, black and white, straight and gay, rich and poor, and everyone in between. Learn more about the people we are freeing from adult cannabis prohibition in our Cannabis Community Chat. And now a flashback to 2009. Well, a couple of weeks ago here on the Daily Audio Stash, we played you some quite amazing audio from uh, the drug czar, John Walters, who claimed that trying to find anyone in jail or prison for a first-time, non-violent, marijuana possession-only offense was like finding a unicorn. They just don't exist. Well, we put together a contest past the stash to find the marijuana unicorns, and what do you know, I found a marijuana unicorn in my very own home state, the state of my birth, Idaho, and we're going out to Idaho Falls right now to speak with Catherine, and Catherine, thanks for joining us here today on the Daily Audio Stash. Thanks for having me. So, did you, had you heard that uh, quote from the drug czar about the uh, unicorns before you heard it on the uh, Daily Audio Stash? I had not. If I had, I'm sure I would have laughed. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll bet you would have. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your situation, what happened with you, and uh, how you can prove the drug czar was wrong. Okay. Um, in about September of 2003, I was at my uh, boyfriend's house. I was in college at the time, and I was in like the back part of the house doing my homework. And uh, uh, the police came because there was I, the music was too loud or something. There were several people over there, but um, he came in and we I don't know we talked for a long time. He said just turn the music down and. And this is the police that came over, right? Huh? This is the police that came over that you're talking to. Okay. Yes. And uh, none of us even noticed, but there had been a bong in the living room while we were talking, like Mm. on a shelf somewhere. And we seriously talked for like half an hour before he noticed. (laughs) And uh, instead of, well, somebody got a paraphernalia ticket for it, whoever claimed it, and then we all got frequenting a place where drugs are used ticket. Which, from what I, I still, I'm still don't understand exactly, but from what I gather, it means that you're in a home to distribute, buy, sell, use drugs. Right. And uh, I originally pled guilty because I was like, well, I can't really prove my intent, but I wasn't, in fact, there to do drugs. I was there to see my boyfriend. And uh, I went to, the, the, they put the court date back several months, and so I finally went in December, and uh, I didn't know... I maybe should have looked or gotten a lawyer or something. I didn't even know it was punishable with jail time because they searched the rest of the house. They didn't find anything but that long. And uh, so I pled not guilty, you know, and said, well, I wasn't there to do drugs. And uh, I went straight from the courtroom to jail for 20 days, got two years probation and a $300 fine. Oof. 
So, oh, yeah. so you pled, you pleaded non, not guilty to frequenting a, a home where drugs were used. Was that the charge? Yes. Okay, so you weren't even found in possession of any marijuana, correct? No, okay. there wasn't any in the house. It okay. was just paraphernalia. Okay, so you had no marijuana. Nobody else had any marijuana. The house had no marijuana. There was a bong sitting there. So yes. for being in the same room as a bong, you spent 20 days in jail. Yes, I did. <laughs> Oh, wow. That is yeah. unbelievable. So uh, 20 days in the jail. Was this the county jail? It was. Okay. It, county. Right. And this is out in uh, this is out in Idaho Falls out there. So uh, some of the other you I met, were you there in the jail by yourself? Were you locked up with other people? What was the situation? Um, I actually, I guess because they were supposed to be nicer or something when I first got there, they called them like the mother hens or something, but I was in a pod with a bunch of inmates that were waiting to go to uh, prison, actually. Mm. Like, there was a lady who'd killed somebody, and, I mean, it, they were not... <laughs> so so we had we had somebody who'd c- committed either manslaughter or murder. Uh, uh-huh. Any any uh, any robberies, thieves, uh, anything like that? You know, she's... I didn't really... Uh, She's the only one that really sticks out to me. Okay. So so there you are for 20 days, uh, locked up with uh, someone who's killed someone, and your crime was being in a room where there was a bong. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, after the after the 20 days that you spent uh, locked up, uh, you also, did you mention you had some probation to serve? I did. How long did that last? Um, I think I got off, it was for two years, but I think I got off at like 13 months, because obviously there was... I mean, I wasn't a user. They drug tested me, and I passed and did everything I was supposed to do. Went to a drug and alcohol class, and <laughs> and this was conditions of your probation. You had to take you know mandatory random urine screens. Yes. Okay, and this drug and alcohol prevention class. Uh, did they in the class uh, mention anything about not going into rooms where a bong was sitting? No, they didn't. <laughs> didn't. That didn't come up, huh? No. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I mean, I, I'm sorry to laugh at this because, I mean, it is horrible. It's just amazing to me that anyone would have to spend time in jail for marijuana possession, but to spend time in jail for just being in a room where there was a bong, that's just amazing to me. And and this 20 days that you spent, uh, what time was that? What, what time of the year? It was um, over Christmas and New Year's. <laughs> over Christmas and New Year's. So, so you got to uh, spend your Christmas locked up alongside hardened criminals, one of whom killed someone because you were in the room with a bong. So you you didn't get your Christmas. Did you at least? Did they at least give you a nice Christmas dinner? You know, I try not to remember the food. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. Oh wow! Uh, I, I I just don't know what to say about this. I I you know when I was putting out this call for marijuana unicorns, I I was pretty sure I would get people that would say, you know, I was caught with uh, a joint or I was caught with a baggie or whatever. Uh, I didn't think I would get so many people that had gotten a hold of me where the charges didn't even involve marijuana that they had. It was marijuana that someone else had, and then I saw your case where there wasn't even any marijuana. Marijuana involved. Uh, that just blows my mind. I, I, I do want to cover a couple of things, Catherine, okay. about this story. Now, you mentioned that uh, the police came over because there was loud music uh, going on, and so they came into the house and you were talking to them for about a half hour. Is that is that right? 
Yeah, that's right. Okay. So let's, let's point this out to everyone so they can learn, learn from the mistake. If the police come over to your house, uh, for a noise complaint or whatever the excuse might be, you do not have to let them in your house. Uh, in fact, you should not let them in the house, particularly, you know, based on what happened to Catherine here. They want to get into that house so that they can look around and see whatever's in plain view. And if something's in plain view, they're going to act on it just like they did in Catherine's case. They look around, they see a bong, they're going to act on that. So folks, if you ever, you know, encounter the police at your home, at your residence, or even if you're at a party somewhere else and the police show up, always remember, go outside of the house, close the door behind you and talk to the police outside. If they ask to come in, tell them they can't come in without a warrant. If they're asking to come in, they don't have the probable cause to come in. If they're asking you, they need your permission. If they could come in with probable cause, they would have just come in without your permission. So, and I'm not, you know, doing that to criticize you, Catherine, because a lot of people don't know that. And that's why we want to get that uh, across here. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's make sure everyone learns from that mistake. And, uh, anything else you want to tell our audience before we go? Um, you know, I, I missed my first college finals. <laughs> oh, wow. I missed finals and Christmas and all that. I guess. And all that. I spent, I actually spent, they let me have my books. They tore all my papers like out of the spirals so that I didn't have metal or anything. So I spent a lot of time studying, but I still didn't do very well when I got out because it mm. wasn't conducive to studying, but. Now, had you had you mentioned also uh, in this case that you didn't have the assistance of any uh, attorneys? No, I didn't. And I would absolutely, especially, uh, I mean, my original, the, the pre-trial, mm-hmm. when I pled guilty, I was like, I, I'm guilty, I guess. And that was a different judge than I actually had. And she said, well, you know, if you weren't there to use marijuana and you didn't know it was in the house and <clears throat> all that, then you're not guilty. Mm. And I was like, well, you know, if it took a police officer half an hour to notice that there was a bong in the house, then (laughs) how am I supposed to know? Exactly. Right. So, so, uh, when you look at everything that you had to do, you know, going to jail for the 20 days, the 13 months of probation and urine tests and all of that, uh, does it look now like, you know, uh, getting the lawyer would have been worth it as far as the expense goes? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I... I mean, I didn't even know. You have to pay to be in jail. Yes. Food and stuff. And I, I was really surprised at that. Because <laughs> I was like, really? I have to pay you for <laughs> yeah. being in here? And, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I was a college student and not, I, I worked, but not very much. And the expense of it was enormous. But I think the biggest thing was, you know, when I first got in there, I, I really, into jail, I was really confused. I was like, okay, hey, what? Have I done? Because I felt like a criminal. I mean, I'm in jail, and I really, it took me a long time to, like, get over it and realize that I'm not a bad person, that I'm okay, you know, that there are people in here that do deserve to be here, and I'm not one of them. But that was really, really hard, because when you're treated that way, I mean, it feels like you must have done something to deserve that. No, you absolutely didn't, Catherine. And that's why we're here, you know, fighting for the end of these stupid, you know, anti-marijuana laws that turn good people like you into criminals, at least in the eyes of the law. And, and there's something to be said about that, about 
you know, reacting to how you're treated. I think there, there might be some people in our community who, you know, feel like criminals. They feel like bad people because that's what they're constantly told. Uh, and they're not. They're, they're good people. They're no worse than anyone who likes to drink a beer now and then. I mean, we're, we're just good, hardworking citizens. Uh, how, how's everything going for you now, Catherine? Are you having any troubles in school? Did this conviction affect your student aid or getting jobs or housing or anything like that? Well, I'm about to find that out. I just uh, applied to the nursing program at uh, Idaho State University, and uh, we'll see if they, (laughs) because really any any drug charges at all, misdemeanor or felony, they they do really care about. Yeah. But I'm hoping, especially because after this, you know, I researched, and in most, I think there's one other place, and I can't remember where, but this isn't even recognized as a charge. Right, right. Well... I really, really pray that it doesn't affect my ability to become a nurse. And if it does, I'll call you back. Yeah, please do. And, you know, federally speaking, I know that uh, the federal government will withhold uh, student loans and grants from anyone who has a, a prior drug conviction. Uh, I don't know if this is going to count in that. Uh, in that regard with, with your case, but, uh, even, even not, even if that's not the case, when you're trying to get into a new school or you're trying to get a new job and there's that line that says, have you ever been convicted of a drug conviction? And you have to check yes. That certainly is going to impact your chances uh, of going places in this world. And it's just, it's a shame. Yeah. And it's really, I mean, it's still, I mean, for a while I stopped hanging out with the same people and all of that. Cause it was just like, I didn't want to go to jail again. But even now, I mean, I, absolutely associate with people who smoke marijuana because it, they're not <laughs> criminals they yeah. don't i mean well, you know, with this, we've got uh, 25 million people in the United States, according to the government's own surveys, 25 million people who use marijuana at least once a year. So if the if the goal here is to not ever hang out with someone who occasionally uses marijuana, <laughs> there's not going to be a whole lot of people to meet. No. <laughs> you sound like a, a good, honest, you know, normal, rational person. I can't imagine that you don't have any prior criminal record or anything either, right? No, that okay. was my very first offense. So. Very first offense. Not, not even in possession. Man, that is just incredible. Well, uh, Catherine, you're definitely a marijuana unicorn. I'm going to, uh, get this, uh, get this sent out to John Walters and see what his, uh, opinion is of your particular sentence there. I, I I'm just stunned to, 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 to hear this. Uh, thank you so much for uh, telling your story to everyone here on the stash. Thank you. That's Catherine Thompson, the winner of my Marijuana Unicorns contest all the way back in 2009. To this date, the person I know that's done the most time for the least weed. Zero weed. Amazing. All right, stay tuned. We're going to be back with a radical rant on the Bernie or Bust phenomenon and the extortion by Hillary supporters to try to force us to vote for her. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I also believe we need a fence. The problem is if El Chapo builds a tunnel under the fence, we have to be able to deal with that, too. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Tommy Chong Show on Cannabis Radio. You know, about this podcast, what I really want to do from now on is to solve world problems. I feel like my job is to calm everybody down and focus on how we can save this planet. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it. And didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. If Bernie or Bust must accept deaths from botched abortions, then Hillary's extortionist must accept deaths in Iraq and Libya. It's a sad day when you find one of your favorite writers on the opposite side of an issue. In this case, The Rude Pundit, a daily read of mine, has called out Bernie or Bust people like me. Yesterday's post was entitled, Note to fellow Sanders supporters, you're going to vote for Clinton in the general, so shut the fuck up. In this post, the rude one, like me, is a Bernie Sanders supporter, but then he rehashes the same old lesser of two evils thinking that has enabled the Democratic Party to become yesterday's Republicans and the Republican Party to become yesterday's fascists. In today's post, entitled Scenes from Our Never-Ending Abortion War Wiping Away right wiping away a right one regulation at a time the rude pundit's extortion is made explicitly to support hillary over an evil republican president who will ensure roe v wade is overturned uh the quote at the end is quote when 
So when you're in a voting booth in November, wondering if you should maintain your purity and not vote if your preferred candidate isn't on the Democratic ticket, know that you'll have the potential bodies of women stacked up on your conscience, end quote. Yeah, I'm supposed to vote for Hillary, because if I don't, women will die from abortions that have been botched because the evil Republicans have repealed Roe v. Wade. Okay, okay. I'll accept every single woman who dies from a botched abortion and every single baby born that was unwanted under a President Trump if Hillary's voters have to accept the hundreds of thousands of dead Iraqis resulting from her vote for the Iraq war. And if Hillary voters will accept all the orphaned children of Libya and Syria because of her warmongering policies as Secretary of State. Because I'm betting that far fewer women will die from botched abortions under President Trump than will die from drone bombings under President Hillary. All this extortion to support a Democratic candidate, quote unquote, is necessary when she pushes the war machine's foreign policy, Wall Street's economic policy, Chevron's energy policy, big businesses' trade and labor policies, and big pharma's medical marijuana policy. If we had anything resembling a left-wing party in this country, it would be extorting us to vote for its candidate, lest this Hillary Clinton become elected and plunge the country into wars in the Middle East and let the big banks run roughshod on the economy and promote environmentally dangerous fracking worldwide and shutter American factories by shipping jobs to Mexico and stall on medical marijuana until the pharmaceutical companies can patent it. For this extortion to work, I need to believe that the President Trump scenario is apocalyptic, and I just don't. President Cruz, on the other hand, might work to extort me. That guy is terrifying. But Donald Trump, he says outrageous things like a right-wing radio host or the old Morton Downey Jr. show. It's for the ratings. I don't believe Donald Trump even believes half the words coming out of his mouth. He's trolling the rabid GOP base for votes, and after the primaries, he'll pivot to centrist moderate, and even to the left of Hillary on some issues, and that will once again stun the political pundits. Hell, Trump's actually pissed off the anti-abortion right with positive defenses of Planned Parenthood that you'll hear from no Republican. He rightly savages George W. Bush for ignoring the warnings that led to the 9-11 attacks and for lying about the WMDs to get us into the Iraq war. And he was rewarded by W-loving South Carolina with a huge victory. He's called for reining in the excesses of hedge fund managers and cutting on military spending. Now, now look, don't misunderstand me. Trump's an embarrassment for the country and not just the Republican Party. And his, his nakedly racist, Islamophobic, misogynist rants are unfit for politics. But in a long-term view, Trump would govern so poorly and be so despised by both parties' establishments, he'll be just a one-term president. Pundits predict that a Trump run equals a Democratic Senate. And they could block any of Trump's SCOTUS nominees who want to overturn Roe v. Wade. And look, Bernie or bus people like me aren't staying home and not voting. We'll be voting on the down-ticket races for as many Democrats as possible to obstruct a possible Trump administration. But that long-term view of Hillary Clinton is one that spells disaster for any hope of aggressive progressivism 
not sanctioned by the establishment. Things like single-payer health care and ending fracking and stopping drone wars and free public colleges and federally descheduled marijuana. The $150 million of net worth Hillary Clinton has earned, thanks to the largesse of Wall Street, big pharma, defense contractors, private prisons, and big energy, wasn't for her inspiring speeches. She's no Barack Obama on the uh, speech circuit, let's just put it that way. No, no, she's bought and paid for, and will work to further the 1% agenda while accepting what politically beneficial but functionally ineffective scraps of progressivism that the 1% will allow so they can provide the illusion of real change. A President Hillary, having proven that money, not principle, is the way to win elections, will further convince down-ticket Dems that they, too, must abandon principle for money. With the power of incumbency and the withering of the GOP, she'll win a second term, and that rightward corporate slide of the Democratic Party, proven successful by three straight two-term centrist Dems, will be totally locked in. And we'll still be suffering from the major problems we suffer today, but President Hillary will extract minor concessions from the 1% to be able to point to progressive accomplishments. Yeah, we'll still have boots on the ground in the Middle East, but Hillary will make some minor changes that improve the VA. We'll suffer another banking and housing bubble burst, but Hillary will create some program to help with the pain of foreclosures. Americans will still suffer from medical bankruptcies, but Hillary will get another couple percentage points more people enrolled in Obamacare. Big money will still rule politics, but Hillary will win some level of disclosure for who's donating to what. Cannabis users will still be imprisoned for medical use, but Hillary will let GW Pharmaceuticals study how to put it in a bottle with a barcode. Wealth will still accumulate outrageously to the 1%, but Hillary will inch our minimum wage up to $12 uh, eventually. There's this great political cartoon that I've been seeing on my Facebook feed, and it shows the ill-fated Titanic afloat in the ocean. Donald Trump is at the back of the Titanic, pointing at the dangerous sharks circling in the ocean and screaming, We need to kill these sharks! Hillary's at the front of the Titanic, explaining, I'm the best captain here. I know all about how to run a ship. Only Bernie is on the bow, screaming, Iceberg! So no, rude pundit, I will not shut the fuck up and resign myself to voting for Hillary if Bernie doesn't become the nominee. I will write in Bernie Sanders so Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the DNC can count exactly how many votes they lost by running a moderate Republican neocon warhawk for the presidency. If we reward the DNC for merely not being the knuckle-dragging, mouth-breathing, racist, misogynist Islamophobes, as they bow to the agenda of the 1%, well, then that's what they'll continue to be. I am sick and tired of people trying to extort me by telling me how apocalyptic things will be if Hillary does not win the presidency compared to a Republican. If we're talking about Donald Trump as that Republican, I have no fear of that. Not an apocalypse, anyway. He'll be pro-business, 
but Hillary's pro-business. I think when it comes to foreign interventions, he'd be less militaristic than Hillary. Yeah, he talks a lot about building up the military, building up the military, but I also think he's against wasting the military. He's against losing. Donald Trump, Trump, doesn't want to be a loser. He don't want to be a loser. And so getting entangled in Middle East operations that are guaranteed to show him as a loser is not something he's going to be interested in. And women's rights, I know he says some awful misogynist things to Megyn Kelly and such and wants to screw his daughter and all that. But I don't really see him being an anti-abortion crazy lunatic like a, a, a Ted Cruz is. Being hateful against women and gays and even Muslims is just bad for business. It's great for winning a Republican primary. But in the long term, it's bad for business, and even Donald Trump will recognize that. Maybe I'm wrong. Give me a call. Phone lines are open in the next hour. It's Toker Talk Radio coming up at 4. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ, live in Portland. And until next time, take care of each other, Tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tope. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Potland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Gonta Graphics, the sultan of Sativa Statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Welcome back, Tokers and Tokens. Radical Russ live in Portland, Oregon. Just finished up with a radical rant, and uh, it's got me wading into the abortion issue. It's such a simple issue for me. Uh, now, 
Of course it is, because I'm male. And I'm childless. And I'm single. (laughs) So, like, who cares what I think? That said, it's a very simple issue to me. The rights of the existing human outweigh the rights of the proto-human. Splitting hairs over when does life begin, when's life conceived, whatever, blah, 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 uh, is meaningless to me because of one clear, clear fact. An existing human being exists and has rights. A proto-human being does not. And I challenge anybody who calls themselves pro-life, which is really just anti-abortion, which is really just anti-women, which is really just we want to control women. But I challenge anyone who calls themselves pro-life to take this little thought experiment with me. I, in one hand, in my right hand, I am holding a living, screaming infant by the leg over a pit of razor-sharp spikes and sharks with lasers on their head and flames and lava. (laughs) Whatever it has to be, right? But I'm holding this infant in my right hand. He's dangling. He's dangling, right? In my left hand, I have a stack of five Petri dishes. Each has a fertilized human embryo in it at various stages of reproduction, but fertilized embryos right there, living fertilized embryos that could be implanted into a woman's womb and could be carried to term. Living, five living embryos, which according to the pro-life movement are life and have rights. Okay, so I got baby in the right hand, five embryos in the left hand holding them over the pit of spikes. You can only stop me from dropping one of these hands. Which one are you going to pick? Well, if you're pro-life, you got to pick the baby. You got to pick the, uh, you got to pick the hand with the five embryos. And I have to drop the baby into the pit because to you, it's the choice of whether five babies die or one baby dies. Right? Those those embryos are the same as babies, right? We can't kill the babies. You, would you really have me drop the five embryos and save the living, breathing infant? Because if you would, then you ain't really pro-life. You don't really believe that embryos are the same as human beings. Somebody played this thought experiment with me before and said it was just one embryo in one hand and a baby in the other hand. And if you're truly pro-life, you'd have to flip a coin because those babies are equal and you have to just, you know, randomly decide which one dies. That's why I like to up it to the five embryos because then it forces your hand. There's no coin flip involved. You're really going to let me kill five babies rather than one. So... In talk radio, I was told when I first got into this 10 years ago, you're not supposed to go into the abortion issue because everybody's got their mind made up and uh, it just inflames passions and people get pissed. And Well, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> I have some strong opinions. And as my uh, one of my favorite people in history, Tulula Bankhead, once said, I'd rather be strongly wrong than weakly right. Of course, in my case, I'm usually just strongly right. It's a whole lot easier. Phone lines are open at 971-533-7111. If you want to talk about it, you disagree, please, please disagree with me. Call in and disagree. I'll be polite. I'll be nice. Unless you start calling me names. (laughs) 
We've also got some marijuana news coming up. Interesting stuff on... This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. You're listening to Radical Russ on the Russ Belleville Show. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. All you have to do is decriminalize. We don't need a government regulation to tell us this is good pot, that's bad pot. We don't need any of that. The Tommy Chong Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. (laughs) This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Eight after the hour, and we're kind of discussing this this extortion that we're hearing now. Those of us in the uh, Bernie Sanders camp from these Hillary Clinton supporters who desperately, desperately, desperately want this nomination process to be over. They expected Hillary Clinton to be coronated, just like 2008. They just expected her to walk in. It's her turn. We need a first female president. It's her turn. Without actually considering whether or not the person whose turn it was was a lousy candidate. This is what Republicans do, right? They nominate guys like uh, 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 Bob Dole. Bob Dole doesn't like being nominated. They nominated a guy like Bob Dole in 96 to run against Bill Clinton because it was his turn, because he had seniority, and it was his turn to run for president. Then they nominated a guy like John McCain for the same kind of reasons, right? Whether they analyze whether this person's a decent candidate or not. And by all measures, Hillary Clinton is a lousy, lousy political candidate. Even the Clinton insiders say she's got all of Bill's baggage and none of Bill's talents, <laughs> right? Hillary Clinton, first of all, if she's nominated, and again, don't give this away to her yet, but if she's nominated, she would be the second most hated candidate ever nominated by a major party, second only to Donald Trump. So we could have the two most hated people ever to run for president, running for president. And her trustworthiness numbers just through the floor, just ridiculous. Now, in the Democratic primary in Michigan, they asked, you know, exit polls, right? And they asked them, you know, 
do you find this candidate trustworthy, right? And in a Democratic primary, Hillary Clinton was barely able to beat 50%, while Bernie was like 85 or something like that. Crazy, right? So she's disliked, she's distrusted, and she's got a mountain of prior scandal behind her. Now, Clinton supporters, they'll come out and they'll say, well, you know, she's been tried and tested. She's had all those scandals thrown at her, and she's survived them all. Well, look, it's a little different surviving 11 hours of the ninth Benghazi hearing that's on C-SPAN 9, and nobody in the country really gives a shit about it or is paying attention, and even if they did, could really understand what's going on there. She's never really been, like, attacked at the celebrity A-list running for president level. And just the sheer volume of attacks that would be possible makes it almost impossible for her to fight against. She would constantly be playing rear guard kind of defensive action as Trump just nails off Travelgate, Blue Dress, uh, Whitewater, Vince Foster. I mean, he can go all the way back to the 70s in Arkansas, or the 80s in Arkansas, and dredge up every single thing. And by the time she's explained the finer points of why Whitewater was no big deal, he's already on to sniper fire over Bosnia and being named after Sir Edmund Hillary. <laughs> right? I mean, there's just an unending thing. And people aren't, you know, at this A-list kind of political celebrity presidential run level, everything's in six-second sound bites. Everything's in bumper sticker headlines. She'll just be buried and, and, and buried by a guy who, you know, take, take this as you will, you know, and, and consider Donald Trump however you want to. You cannot deny he is a master of media. Cannot deny that he knows how to get a camera and knows how to make soundbite and knows how to make the news. And he will just bury Hillary throughout the general election season. Now, there are polls out there that saying that Hillary can beat Trump, but of course, Bernie beats him better. But those polls haven't yet been tested and not tested by the attacks that Trump will be able to, to muster against her. Plus, all this outrage about Trump saying the anti-Islamic things and the anti-Muslim and the black people getting kicked out of his rallies, all this kind of stuff, that's going to be going away. He's going to get more, like this, he's letting the, the, the circus freaks fly, letting the freak flag fly when it comes to the GOP primaries because he knows that the, the most conservative is the one that, you know, the most outrageous is the one that's going to win that. Once he locks in, down this nomination, you'll be stunned by Donald Trump's pivot to the center. He'll be to the left of Hillary on some issues. He'll adopt some of Bernie Sanders' talking points, and he won't have to suffer any of political consequences of flip flopper like a you know a John Kerry might have or a you know any other candidate might have because he's not a candidate based on ideological purity or party uh, rigidity. He's a celebrity. That's the thing the political class can't understand about this: is the power of celebrity and the power. Of, of the media to shape people's perceptions. I mean, the media and, and the perceptions were good enough to be able to convince us that Arnold Schwarzenegger could run California for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing what you can do with a few campaign ads and some million dollars in your pocket. So we've been talking about this and, and the reason I keep bringing it up is because we have a candidate in Bernie Sanders, one of the two major party candidates 
who has staked out the most revolutionary position on our issue of marijuana reform of any politician ever in my lifetime. We've always been fond of Dr. Ron Paul, Rand Paul, the Pauls, you know, saying they stand up for marijuana legalization and so so forth. But neither of them have gotten so far as to say it ought to be descheduled. They're more of states' rights kind of guys. And we've had Democrats that have come out in, in favor of medical marijuana and such but, such, but none of them have been so far out in front of the issue as Bernie Sanders has. And it's, it's telling to me how some in the reform movement, especially you know, looking MPP's way at this, on this one, some in the reform movement have been very, very, very quick to trumpet the candidacies of people like Gary Johnson or Ron Paul or Rand Paul as the saviors of marijuana. Not so trumpeting lately on Bernie Sanders. I wonder why that is. Could it be that a lot of these reformers, a lot of these reform organizations that are dealing with the billionaire boys clubs and all the big business interests that they need to you know, fleece for donors, is it possible they don't want to anger those donors by supporting the guy who would institute economic policies that would hurt some of those donors and some of their loopholes and some of their grants and special privileges? Because the way I see it, when you've got one of the two major party candidates, one of them who's in this race, right? We're not talking a Rand Paul who never polled above what, two, three percent in the Republican primaries, but when we're talking about Bernie Sanders who just won frickin' Michigan and openly on stage talking about his marijuana use and how he wants to deschedule marijuana, how is it that we don't have overwhelming, loud support from the marijuana reform orgs, from marijuana activists? For Bernie Sanders, like we did for Rand Paul, Ron Paul, Gary Johnson. Here's the guy that's got the best polling numbers and the best chance of anybody I just named. I mean, I love Gary Johnson. I think he's a great, I think he's a great candidate and, and a principled man. Been on stage with him at numerous events. But Gary Johnson's not going to be president of the United States. There's no realistic hope that that's going to happen. Rand Paul, Ron Paul. Never going to be president. Never polled within, you know, even breaking double digits. Bernie Sanders in these matchups, in these hypothetical matchups with Trump, Cruz, Rubio, Kasich, which those last two will become increasingly irrelevant, destroys them, mops the floor with these guys, wins. Hillary barely beats Trump, Trump, and loses to these other guys. Why is... Why are we not hearing more from the major drug orgs, the the major marijuana magazines? The magazines are doing better. Dope Magazine just had Bernie Sanders on its cover. Freedom Leaf Magazine had Bernie Sanders on its cover. I can see Hillary Clinton in those mags. So the magazines get it. The people whose money depends on the readers, depends on the cannabis community, they get it. The websites like Marijuana Politics, which full disclosure I write for, they get it. They see the excitement amongst cannabis consumers to hear a candidate actually talking about descheduling marijuana. And on top of that, 
giving us health care, giving us the health care and education that our tax dollars ought to be providing. And yet I don't see enough from the, let's call them the grass tops as compared to the grassroots. I don't see enough from the grass tops trumpeting the candidacy of Bernie Sanders like I think they should. But, you know, it's it's interesting how as marijuana becomes legal and it's the billion-dollar market and all, all those big numbers with commas in them, it's interesting that as that happens, we're starting to see this split. We're starting to see a divergence from purity to the ideal of marijuana legalization. I had to basically embarrass normal publicly to get them to endorse Ohio's initiative last year. And to this day, reformers are still gleeful that Ohio lost. Yay! Prohibition won in Ohio. Yay! Cops can still ticket and arrest people. Yay! We won. We beat back a terrible, lousy legalization that would have created medical marijuana and uh, legal marijuana for the first time ever in a state. Yay! It lost. Yay! Nick Lachey won't make any money. Yay! I still, still hold the grudge, folks. I don't forget. (laughs) And now, of course, Ohio's moving forward with an MPP-sponsored medical marijuana initiative, which is a good medical marijuana initiative. It's better than uh, most of the East Coast ones that have come across. It's got home grow. It allows whole plant. I have a reasonable set of dispensaries. Sure ain't legalization, though. Remember all those Ohio people that were telling me, you wait, 2016, OTEP, Ohioans to end prohibition. Oh, we'll be voting for real legalization in 2016. Now it looks like what they might be voting for is MPP's medical marijuana law. That's a good medical marijuana law for 2006, right? Well, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to shoot you. Right over. And now for something completely different. A man with three buttocks. <laughs> Love that Monty Python stuff. Hey, folks, it's 420. Means uh, we are definitely, definitely late for our safety briefing. I hope you've got your uh, safety materials with you because uh, I got to get this briefing started. Be back in just two minutes. Stick around. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I do not like them, Sam. I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Tokers, there's no good reason to get your dog stoned. While it might not harm them physically, imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day, and then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. 
Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 23 after the hour. Another thing I want to touch on in this political discussion and, and this show is going to get increasingly political, folks. Um, i got to tell you, I've been talking about weed for 10 years. <laughs> and uh, as we win more and more battles, there's less and less need for me to have to keep covering the basics. You know what I mean? Marijuana is a medicine, right? We, we're, we're past that, aren't we? Well, most of us on this show are. And I'm not going to abandon it, the, this by any means, but I'm just saying, as we move on and... 2016 is this pivotal presidential election year and marijuana becomes more and more of a political issue. I'm going to become more and more of a political host. We're going to talk politics here. So one aspect of marijuana and politics that always vexes me is this hardcore anarchist libertarian bent that we've got amongst a lot of pop people. I don't know how many, but a lot. And I got one on my, uh, uh, Twitter feed, who's also uh, shows up in our chat room quite a bit. And it's interesting because of how we just fundamentally view things differently. And the, the thing the, the quote that's kind of set me off is this, uh, this quote, he says, uh, how about ending the Federal Reserve and get the government out of your life? Right. And this has to do with me. I, I had posted something about, you know, I don't want the government in my life, in people's lives, forcing them to give birth when I was talking about the abortion thing. And that's what it really is to me, right, is whether or not the government can force you to have a baby. And I just don't think anybody should be forced to have a baby or forced not to have a baby. Like, I would be just as against government-enforced abortions like, you know, China's one-child policy, right? I think at the fundamental biological level, government has no business interfering, and, and that's the, the, the trait that we take for the marijuana movement too, right? Our body, our choice. If we want to smoke pot, it's our body, it's our lungs, it's our mind. We have the right to do that. And that's why sometimes I don't even like to get bogged down in the harmful, harmless arguments. You know, marijuana causes six points of IQ loss. No, it doesn't, right? We can have that argument. But it's really a moot point. If alcohol and tobacco are legal... We have established that people have the right to fuck themselves up, <laughs> to really fuck up their health. You got the right. Smoke cigarettes until you get lung cancer and die. It's your right. Drink booze until you get cirrhosis and die. It's your right. Don't mess with anybody else. You, dr- you, you drink and drive. You smoke inside. And you do things that mess with other people. We'll, we'll, we got a problem with that. But if you want to destroy your body for fun, for what you perceive to be fun, have at it, it's your right. So once that's established, we don't even have to argue about whether or not marijuana is harmful or not. Marijuana will cause six points of IQ loss. Okay. And so that's the reason I should be imprisoned if I try to smoke pot is because it might make me dumber. 
by six IQ points, it doesn't matter because you can show a study that alcohol will make you a whole lot dumber. Any harm they want to imagine for marijuana already exists for alcohol or tobacco. We allow those. Therefore, it is wrong. It is unconstitutional. It is simply unallowable for our government to be intruding on our lives in that, in that respect. And that's where I find a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, overlap in the Venn diagrams of the abortion rights arguments and the marijuana rights arguments. And it really just comes down to my body, my choice. So what happens though sometimes is when people find out that I'm that guy, like I'm all about, you know, liberty in that respect, they want to extend it to other things that are on the business side. And I've said before, this is where I I fall off with libertarians. Like for me, libertarianism works perfectly in the first person. When it's me, my body, what I'm doing with my body I'm as radically libertarian as anybody. When encounters start to become in the second person, dealing with others, right? You and me dealing with each other. So long as you and I are in equal footing and power, I'm still pretty libertarian. You want to rent your body to me for money? Prostitution? Okay. So long as you and I are on equal footing as human beings. Now, not if you're, you know, coerced, sex trafficked slave. No, of course not. In an ideal world, though, we would have regulated prostitution, you know, like they have in Germany where they aren't coerced. They're safe. They have a, a, a regular old career with 401k and healthcare and, you know, it's just tests and, 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 and prevention and so forth, right? So that's where I lose libertarianism is when it starts to get into these encounters between unequal parties and libertarians want to pretend that those parties aren't unequal and they're all making informed and rational decisions in interacting and contracting with each other, right? It's, it, it goes back to that argument of, you know, uh, there shouldn't be a minimum wage because why, if you don't like the conditions at this job, you can go to another job and through your choice and everyone freely contracting bullshit, that's going to happen. That's what we had back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and it ended up with people getting paid with script from the company store. So, no, that's not the way it works. When, one, when there's a power imbalance, that absolute liberty accrues to those with the power. That's always the way it will work. And, and unless people can band together and increase their power through unionization, through other means, unless they increase their power, there cannot be an equal and fair bargaining in that libertarian realm, right? So that's where I lose libertarians. When, it start, when you start putting dollar signs around it, we need to start having a third party involved in this to make sure things stay fair. And that's where I start to support government. And I replied to this guy that I... I don't want government out of my life. There's a lot of places where I really like government in my life. When I was like six, I really loved that government was in my life providing me an education. I I love when I get in my car that government is providing me roads to drive on. I love when somebody's house near mine catches fire that government puts it out. I love when there's a bad guy roaming the streets that government sends armed agents to catch him and put him away. I love it when government when it does so, 
keeps my air and water clean. Right? I, there's this thing that this is one of the things I, I dislike about being in the marijuana movement sometimes is so many people have had such bad experiences with government, whether it be the criminal justice system busting them for growing plants or them being, you know, business people, marijuana business people who faced regulatory hurdles and, and problems that then take that broad brush and paint it over the whole idea of having government at all. And no, sorry, I just will not take the little anarchist pill. I just cannot go there. So get the Federal Reserve out of our lives. Well, maybe there's Fed policies we need to look at. I don't like how it's struck, you know, blah, blah, blah. But no, there will be government and banking. Those two institutions will continue to exist. We cannot go back to living through bartering chickens with one another. It's not going to happen. So long as there can be great accumulations of wealth and power, we will need a government of the people to fight those accumulations of wealth and power over the people. And again, this leads me back to why I'm such a Bernie bro, because he's the only candidate that sees this. Sticking up for Hillary Clinton at this point is like saying, you know, the system's rigged. So you better have the best rigged, the best person playing in the rigged system for you. It's it's what Sarah Silverman was saying the other day on Bill Maher about, uh, you know, baseball era when everyone was on steroids. Well, you just liked your player because, well, you know, everyone's on steroids. And then what do you know? Birdie comes along and he's not on steroids. And it, it changes your whole perspective. Hillary Clinton is the perfect candidate for the system we have. And that's the problem. The system we have is broken and needs to be fixed. Fortunately, many more people are starting to get this. And and these attacks against Bernie are starting to uh, wither away. The electability attack has withered as more and more people recognize that Hillary's a lousy candidate. She's got lousy likability numbers, lousy uh, uh, trustworthiness numbers. She does poorly in matchups against the Republicans, although it's shown now that she can probably beat Trump. But uh, yeah, that's before Trump starts the attack machine on her, folks. And Hillary's support has maxed out. Like, it's, it's, it's fossilized. There's no movement in her numbers. She's been around for so long that everybody that likes her likes her and isn't going to change, and everybody that dislikes her dislikes her and isn't going to change. Bernie... He's already well-liked and well-trusted, and that's with huge unknown numbers on him, people that don't know enough about him, they've never heard of him. So his numbers can go up and up and up. Same thing goes for the donations. Hillary's maxed out her donations, her individual contributors who can contribute up to $2,700, a lot of them already have. They can't contribute anymore, so she needs to go peddling for more big bucks from super PACs and and big business, which undermines the perception that she's not bought by big business, right? So it kind of works against her. Bernie's supporters are contributing on average $27 and are nowhere near contributing their max. I'm actually contributing $25 a month. I've got it on a regular uh, withdrawal 
to Bernie's campaign. So I'm not going to max out. It's exciting as hell to see this campaign going. And I just hope that one of the results of it is a little bit more of a uh, awakening by people on our side as to what issues are really important. I think sometimes there's, you know, most, most people perceive of the marijuana movement as being democratic, liberal, progressive, you know, all those adjectives and that there's very few Republicans in it. And I think that's beginning to change. I think there's a lot of Republicans coming to this movement, especially now that legalization and medical are so, so popular. And as more of these people recognize that the drug war is completely antithetical to what they consider conservative principles, we should be welcoming and recruiting more and more of these people. But I think one of the things that the Bernie Sanders campaign is doing is also bringing a lot of those Republicans over as well. I know a lot of people are like, what? Come on now. He's a Democratic Socialist. Republicans are supporting him? Yeah. I got a few Republican friends who are telling me that you know, it's the, anti, uh, it's the anti-Trump sentiment who tell me they could never vote for Trump and at least Bernie is talking about some of the issues that they care about. We'll see. I, I'm excited about this political season and uh, we're going to be talking more and more about it throughout this year. You're welcome to call in and talk about it as well. The phone line is 971-533-7111. And don't forget, coming up at the top of the hour, 5 o'clock, we've got the Stoner Jesus Show coming to you live here on Cannabis Radio. And following that, episode 2 of the new Tommy Chong podcast. It's all coming up right here on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs... They're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. Okay, maybe you're high, too. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. I hope everybody's got their vape pen handy or their pipe or their bong or whatever you use to do your medicine. It's not a requirement. You don't have to be high for this show. Yeah, you do. <laughs> okay. I don't know who you're talking to. You have to be high to do anything. At least I do. I don't know about you. In fact, I've been high so long that being straight is another high. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your cannabis 280E and tax strategy. 
get your business prepared with New Era CPA's Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. Most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know, because they've got a town called Argusville. What are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back. Just uh, looking at a lively chat room going on here at CannabisRadio.com. If you're missing out on the chat, just go to the player, the main uh, radio player, and click that button that looks like a little cartoon balloon. It might even be waggling at you. And you can get in there and talk with Michael and Jackie, and Stoner Jesus is even in the chat room right now, getting ready for his show. Lots to talk about, but I want to get back to some uh, some marijuana stories here in the news. Um Westward in Denver has a story up about uh, pot dispensaries and the Adopt-A-Highway program. Apparently, a lot of these uh, places uh, have got these uh, Adopt-A-Highways. And we've done this before with normal chapters. And it, it really, you just get your name on a highway sign. And, you know, twice a year, you got to send some people out to clean up the highway. And it's, you know, it's it's getting citizens to do the job the government should be doing, you know, cleaning up the roads by exchanging some free advertising, basically what it was. Now, interestingly, in this Adopt-A-Highway program, they list, in this Westward story, they list the places, the highways that have been adopted. And dominating the list, with let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 entries is uh, Live Well, Live Well, Enlightened Health. And I just think that's notable because Live Well is the company that's gotten dinged a couple times in Colorado, I believe, uh, in Denver, for the pesticides on its pot and had to recall all sorts of uh, plants and product. So they're adopting highways. They're going to keep highways clean, (laughs) but not the weed so much. And I wonder, too, you know, because LiveWell is the, the company that uh, Snoop Dogg has chosen to, to make his Leafs by Snoop, you know, his, his designer line of cannabis. And it's just remarkable to me that, you know, you'd pick LiveWell <laughs> when they're the ones whose name now is kind of synonymous with, you know, these pot recalls. Also, LiveWell, I believe, was the one that had an exhibit at the Denver County fair where they were giving out uh, medicated chocolates that they said weren't medicated because they weren't allowed to bring in medicated chocolates. First of all, what kind of demo is that here? Taste what our product tastes like without its most important ingredient. <laughs> As if the pot's not going to change the taste of the chocolate some, right? Like, well, yay, this is a great chocolate bar. Um, I could go get a Hershey's for, you know, a buck, but thanks. (laughs) Right. But then it turned out that some of their chocolates apparently had the full complement of THC in them. And some people who didn't know they were about to get high, got really high. 
And, you know, sometimes people on our side laugh about this, but I've, I've been dosed when I wasn't expecting it. And it's not like getting high. It really freaks you out. If you don't know that it's coming, that feeling of edibles can be a very, very scary feeling. And, and it's not cool. Not cool to dose anybody like that. It's just, uh, it's just wrong. So there we go. There's Live Well uh, adopting highways all across Colorado. I've also got an update in uh, the U.S. News and World Report on the uh, April 2nd smoke-in at the White House. This was, uh, this was inspired by Bill Maher lighting up a joint on his show and talking about not getting complacent and calling on President Obama in his lame duck time as president here to do the right thing and issue an executive order descheduling cannabis. He can, you know, he can issue these executive orders. Uh, The Controlled Substances Act has it set up for the attorney general or the president to initiate these changes without the approval of Congress. You know, every AG and, uh, you know, Holder, when he was the AG and, uh, and Obama have both said, well, you know, we, it's really up to Congress. We got, we got to wait for Congress. No, you don't have to wait for Congress. The Controlled Substances Act gives you all the power you need to make all the changes you need to our cannabis laws. So Adam Eidinger and the guys out there in D.C. with the D.C. Cannabis Campaign are planning a smoke uh, a smoke session on April 2nd out there near the White House. You can get arrested for this. It's federal property. Chris Goldstein is just coming off two years of probation. Chris has not smoked pot in two years because of his probation and his drug tests. And that's coming to an end very soon. I think it'll come to an end before April 2nd. Maybe. I don't think he'll be out there. <laughs> but they're going to light up on April 2nd. Now, they moved it from 420. They were going to do it on 420, but 420 is in the middle of the week. And people have other 420 things they want to do sometimes. But April 2nd is a Saturday. And it's 4-2, right? So you're close. My only problem with it is that April 2nd, the first Saturday in April, is the Ann Arbor Hash Bash in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's the longest running public smoke-in protest in America. It, uh, it was created for the activist that got busted, you know, 10 for 2. Um, oh, what's the guy's name? Dang it, just slipped my mind. John something. Anyway, uh, who got a, a 10-year sentence for two joints. And they've been doing this Ann Arbor hash bash now since then, since the 70s. You know, John Lennon wrote that song about it. They've been doing the bash. And I really wanted to make it to the Ann Arbor hash bash this year as my first, you know, my opening of, of my spring tour. And now they're going to do this DC thing. Dang it. And the other thing, too, is this uh, this DC thing. A lot of things, there's a lot of things going on in April on the East Coast that might be interesting for me to cover. There's a CanMed conference going on April 10th and 11th in Boston. There's the Patients Out of Time conference going on April 14th through 18th in Baltimore. And there's the United Nations General Assembly special session on drugs going on in New York. Uh, April 19th through 21st. And then there's a 
Well, that's in Arcata, California. <laughs> but I'm just saying, a lot of stuff going on in the East Coast. So um, I'm going to miss it. I'll probably be in Ann Arbor. I, I've got to go to this Ann Arbor Hash Bash. I've never been to it, and I really, really want to go. Gosh, what was that guy's name? It's going to bug me. It's going to bug me. John Sinclair. Thank you, John Thomas. I knew it was a John something. John Sinclair. Exactly. But uh, according to this story in U.S. News and World Report, um, Eidinger says he believes civil disobedience is now necessary, particularly given the impending election of a new, potentially less marijuana-friendly president in November. And I don't know. I... Like I said, I don't think let's just let's just take for granted that Donald Trump will be the presidential nominee for the Republicans. On a pure marijuana issue, I don't I'm not afraid of Donald Trump at all. Cruz, Rubio, Christie. Now that's the only thing is if this latest bromance between Christie, you know, Chris Christie and Donald Trump. If if this was a deal to get Christie's endorsement in exchange for being attorney general. Now I'm scared. If Christie's the attorney general in a legal marijuana world, I'm terrified. Barring that though, Donald Trump himself, I don't see him as being an anti-legalization guy. I, I don't see him being that way. I think again, he's a businessman. And remember that any president that's coming in, in 2016 also has to cope with the, statewide results of marijuana elections in like nine or 10 states. And if these elections go as well as I predict they will, which is wins in all of them, legal marijuana in California, Arizona, Nevada, and Massachusetts, and Maine, if they can get this appeal heard on their signatures, legal medical marijuana in Florida, Ohio, Missouri, and Arkansas, Hell, maybe even legal marijuana in Michigan. They, they've got signatures going on up there, too. If all those states win, or even most of them win, the next president coming in has this huge mandate from the American people in very diverse areas of the country to allow this marijuana gravy train, this gold rush, to continue. So you can't scare me with a, a President Trump on my most important issue of marijuana legalization. Unless, again, Chris Christie's the Attorney General. Then, then all bets are off, man. I could see Chris Christie actually sending in body armor DEA agents into the warehouses in Denver. I can actually imagine him doing that. But I don't think it's going to happen. I don't. I don't think that's the deal either with Chris Christie. I think. I think a Chris Christie. I think uh, gets put in charge of Homeland Security. He's like that guy. That's what. That's what Trump would do with a guy like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah. Jackie Newberry makes the point that Obama's not a lame duck until after the next president's elected. You're right. So from November through January is when he'd be the lame duck. Um, even better time to be pardoning some pot criminals and signing some executive orders to deschedule marijuana when nobody can do anything about it. And it would be interesting if the next president is elected and it's Bernie Sanders versus if the next president coming in is Donald Trump, does, does the Trump presidency 
then force Obama, uh, Obama as a lame duck to kind of make these executive orders while he can and force the president Trump to have to rescind them. I don't know, but just all speculation at this point. Michael in the chat room says Trump is way pro medical marijuana and Christie would throw eight year olds taking CBD in jail. <laughs> but then uh, Trump can be enticed with the smell of money. <laughs> yeah. Roland Reverend says that uh, Christie will close all the bridges, <laughs> all the bridges in America. That's going to suck here in Portland. Let me tell you, we got a lot of bridges here in Portland. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you folks can uh, indulge me talking politics a little bit. It's a lot of fun for me. Had a lot of fun watching the election returns last night and listening to all those pundits on CNN try to talk their way out of what a Hillary blowout they had predicted just hours before. <laughs> some of the some of the best stuff on TV, folks, when uh, CNN pundits are spectacularly wrong. It's very entertaining. We're going to take a break, and uh, we come back, we'll close up the show and get things ready for Stoner Jesus, who's coming up live at the top of the hour. I'm already feeling the stony Holy Spirit. Or maybe that's just the Jack Herrer in the vapor pen that tastes like grapes. Mmm. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. This is the Russ Belleville Show, annoying Kevin Sabat since 2012. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era.
and blue blushing gurgen fuffing der blushing schnurb norben you're tuned into the russ belleville show the voice of the marijuana nation only on cannabisradio.com that is the kind of high quality nonsense babbling that you can only get from a native of the upper midwest <laughs> thank you dan michaels uh glad to be here Radical Russ live in beautiful legal potland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Closing up shop here, sipping on a Jack Herrer grape-flavored vapor pen. And I'm not much of a pot snob. I know there's a lot of people out there like, ooh, purpling glycol, ooh, additional uh, artificial flavors, ooh. Cool, more for me. Because I like it. I like these developments in our technology. I like not having to find a lighter. Not having to deal with ashes, not having to touch my fingers to sticky, you know, damn dabs, not having to have a torch. I like having an exact one gram that I can see through a clear container and know exactly where I'm at. I like how small and portable they are and easy to keep around. The only thing I don't like about the vapor pens is having to recharge the battery. But hell, I do that with my camera batteries and my uh, recorder batteries, and I have pretty good habits about plugging stuff in to make sure they're charged up, so it doesn't affect me so much. And I especially like the less, you know, not having smoke hurting my throat, not having that smell of burnt marijuana that's so easy to detect. I'm a huge fan of these emerging technologies, and these kind of technologies only possible through the legalization of marijuana. I didn't see a whole lot of, you went, maybe it's because they just invented it, but didn't see a whole lot of vaporization technology in black market Idaho. That's for sure. Also got this great, <laughs> great bit of nerd, uh, nerdism here in my, uh, inbox that I just love a picture of Dirk Benedict and Katie Sackhoff in a Starbucks. Dirk Benedict and Katie Sackhoff in a Starbucks. And if that's not funny to you, you're not enough of a nerd. <laughs> Us nerds are cracking up over that. We think that's hilarious. Dirk Benedict and Katie Sackhoff in a Starbucks. Um, also, news uh, coming up. Another event we'll be covering April 24th. Eugene, Oregon, the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Headlining guests, Tommy Chong and the real superstar, Dr. Carl Hart will be in Eugene at the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. I am angling to get an interview with Dr. Carl Hart, who is someone I admire more than just about anybody in the drug reform movement. That's April 24th. Check out Oregon MBC. Dot com like Oregon Marijuana Business Conference, OregonMBC.com. We'll be there. We'll bring you highlights, and it'll be a great show. Speaking of great shows, thanks for joining us here for another two-hour episode of the Russ Belleville Show. Coming up next, live here on CannabisRadio.com, it's the Stoner Jesus Show. Prepare to get your stony self saved and uh, send the kids into another room. <laughs> you might not like... Uh, they might... Well, let's just say Stoner Jesus is not safe for work. Well, I guess it depends on your work. It's safe for my work. 
And then following Stoner Jesus, episode two of the Tommy Chong podcast, new here on CannabisRadio.com. For everyone here at Roller J Studios, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You're planning, you're growing, you're giant, you're rolling, you're smoking.